Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a special guest today, Lydia Leiterman, formerly of Timcast. Um, you, uh, I met you in September of 2021, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was September 9th. I, I remember that because I was getting ready to celebrate 9-11. Um, mm. Just kidding. Um, but you, <laughs> you've, uh, you, you've done a lot of stuff. You're good commentary. And now you're working on your own show. Tell me about that. It's called the, it's called the Trad Queen Story Hour, which apparently Trad Queen means traditional. That's right. So tell me about <laughs> that this. That is what it means. Yeah. So I'm talking about traditional lifestyles, and I'm trying to embody that by living that, um, by setting the example. So we're in a position, we're really lucky, we're able to have a single income household right now. Um, and I am trying to figure out the the elements of home economics, and I'm having a fun time learning that. But that doesn't mean I've stopped following the news. I talk about the news every evening on my show, which is live on YouTube or pre-recorded and premieres on YouTube at 7 p.m. Eastern time every weekday so far. And I'm loving it. I have always loved keeping up on the news. And even though it's sometimes depressing, sometimes distracting, I like it. So yeah. thanks for having me on. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I've always enjoyed you. So <clears throat> why do you think it is that there's such a pushback against the idea of traditionalism generally? I've never... Uh, it, it seems kind of self-defeating because we have we're, in the West, especially we have this tendency to unsolve problems that we've solved like thousands of years ago. And now all of a sudden people, pe I, I talk about this a lot, but people constantly invoke like the Stoics and shit. It's like, we're still talking about that 2000 years later, trying to recorrect ourselves. It seems kind of like maybe we're idiots. <laughs> Definitely. We are idiots. I think what we've tried to do is... <clears throat> Get rid of basically every single pillar that built the West and everything that made the West great. We've tried to completely throw it out the window. And we we went into the future saying it's going to be fine if we don't have religion, if we don't have families, if we don't have marriage, and if we don't care about social like norms and cultural feedback, we can get rid of all of that stuff and we'll be fine. And I'm looking around and I'm like, we are not fine. Not only that, we are not happy. Um, it does feel like things are falling apart, and in some ways they really are. We're watching our birth rate collapse. We're seeing sperm count collapse, which is really interesting to me. I don't even think we know all the reasons for that. That was of concern to me as we were starting our family. I was like, i got to make sure that you know everything's right so we can make this happen. Um, thankfully, we were able to get that ball rolling, but it's scary to look, look at this stuff and be like, okay, it looks like we're reaching the end of our cultural arc right i don't want that to be the case but we need to make some serious changes to make that stop so that's what i'm trying to assist in <clears throat> yeah it's weird to me um i i feel like we get sensitive about the wrong stuff sometimes you know because people will say um people will refer to traditionalism as normal and then uh, or, or something that's common is normal. And then people get butthurt about being referred to as outside the norm or abnormal or something like that. They think for some reason we've, we've come to associate the word normal with good and the word abnormal with bad, but that's not really, really what the words mean. It means average and then less likely, you know what I mean? Right. It's, they're just, they're math terms for lack of a better phrase. Um, 
that doesn't make much sense to me. <clears throat> and I wonder, like, I understand people who say, uh, well, I think it's, it's a, it's a narrow minded view and, and <clears throat> to some degree based in ignorance, but I understand people who say things like, um, you know, we have two tier justice system or th say things about systemic racism or prejudice and things like that and how pervasive they still are. I don't, <laughs> you know, there's no real evidence for any of that stuff for the most part, but I do understand how if you're in a shitty situation, you would try to map that shitty situation onto greater society. That's kind of what we do, right? As human beings, our problems are everybody's problems. That's how it feels a lot of the time. Um, but what I don't understand is exactly what is the, with regard to traditional values, right? What exactly was the downfall? You know what I mean? Like what, what was the, what was the gripe? I suppose like what problem were you identifying as <clears throat> let's say a woman who said, I'm going to wait until my thirties, mid thirties to start thinking about having kids, for example, right? Like what problem did you think you were solving? And at any point did it occur to you that, um, you know, biology exists and things after 30 start to go downhill for both men and women with regard to reproductive capability. Right. I, I know Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are still out there pumping out kids, but <laughs> generally speaking, the quality of your sperm starts to go down precipitously in your mid thirties as a man, even, even though you can have kids, you might have a couple of chud babies, you know what I mean? So right. uh, I wonder from, from your perspective, cause you, this is kind of what you deal with on a day to day basis. What do you think? And I'm trying to play devil's avocado with, with some of these. And I don't think it's just leftists either. I think it's just, a, a, you know, there's a lot going on there. So what do you think it is inside the mind of, let's say, forget about politics, just a 28 year old woman who hasn't started a family yet and, and, and thinks that they have 10 more years to get that ball rolling? Yeah. So when I was 11, I first noticed a lot of the lies that feminism was telling women because I was like, hey, you know what? If these feminists actually cared about women, they would be telling them to not be obese, okay? Because when you're obese, your odds of living to see your grandkids drop precipitously. And this was even before I worked in the healthcare setting where I was dealing with obese people and people struggling with very easily present pre preventable illnesses um, that can be reduced or eliminated by having a healthy lifestyle. I was looking at the lies that feminism was telling women and I think uh, it, with your instance of a 28 year old woman who's decided to hold off having kids because she wants her career, she wants to do her thing, she wants to live her best life and all that other good stuff. And I, I think she's been told that she can freeze her eggs, that she can wait to get the most influential man in the pool and that will all be good and that she will be able to carry her baby to term perfectly in her late 30s to early 40s. And I think she's not acting on her own per se because women are very agreeable and very willing to go along with what other people are doing to avoid problems i understand kind of how it had to be in the past especially when men had multiple wives this is also why women are more likely to be bisexual because it was necessary to get along in their communities and women are willing to be like okay fine i'll wait i'll put it off i can have it all I can do both of these things. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. And then they hit their mid thirties. And I have just seen so many articles about women who are like, I'm lonely. I can't find a man. I can't find a man who makes more than I 
to do because we've reached such a peak of equality that women make really good money. Women are the majority of college attendees and it's just really unsustainable as far as women's happiness goes and as far as actually making more people. We need women to realize that they're absolutely essential for the future. And I think that tr by trying to turn women into second rate men, we've really undercut, for example, our birth rates, mm. our marriage rates, our whole community. And it's just constant lies. Now, I will say to wrap this up that I, I troll some very deep corners of the internet where there is true misogyny. Like there are guys who truly believe that all women are awful and I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I want them to recognize that women are lied to basically from birth, right? They're told they can have everything. They're told they need to do everything. They're told they need to act like men. A lot of the, okay, so this is a different branch too, mm -hmm. but a lot of the peer influenced trans stuff, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but I'll just touch on it here. A lot of that works for women. And I think a lot of that is because it doesn't work for women, but a lot of that is used on women because if you can tell a woman that her life will be better as a male, she will be very happy to get that testosterone that makes her life maybe easier in the very short term and kind of try to switch over into being a man. And that is not the way forward. Women have incredible skills and talents that we simply don't recognize anymore and I wish we did. So that's one of the things I'm kind of hoping to push with my whole persona and shtick to we'll see how well I do with that. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, <clears throat> to me, the big lie with regard to third wave, fem third wave feminism is that, uh, and you're saying it, but it's that the the aspiration should be to be like a man right it's like uh right. empowerment looks like men are in power so we need to be more like men to claim more of a power um and with regard to to you know math and sciences and politics and and corporate uh, uh structure i i it's it's just not true right i mean it's right <sighs> The, the the early feminists, they wanted all the same rights that men have, right? That was the point. But there was no talk about being more socially aggressive or mo more so, uh, like psychotic, which, you know, men are psychopaths and, and, and at a much higher rate than women are. Um, the, the real lesson to be learned was that, you know, the unabated expression of powerful femininity that was the point you know what i mean like to realize that your power your feminine power is in its lane just as strong as masculine power in its lane right, right. that's right. that's like you an airplane wouldn't be made better by being able to travel on the ground faster and a car you know with better uh, in-flight aerodynamics wouldn't necessarily make any sense like the, right. it's, it's, you're, you're, you're mapping attributes onto something that has no use for them, you know, sp traditionally speaking. Right. Um, and to your other point, I think we're, we're in a bit, we're in a bit of a bind right now. And I don't think it's just women or men. And I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just radical feminists. And I don't think it's just misogynist. The, the dynamics of, of life have changed in the West of human pair bonding, right? Like you, you mentioned it, women are having a hard time finding men who are uh, better earners than they are. Now, it used to be that as a man, 
I want to demonstrate my value to provide and protect, right? That's because that's what masculinity is. So I have a good job and then, you know, it becomes a bit weird sometimes with, with peacocking and stuff like that, trying to demonstrate your value as a provider, buying weird shit, or, you know, maybe you dress nice or, or whatever, you know, frivolous spending sometimes, uh, putting a spoiler on a Honda. Um, and then there's the protection part of it, which is essentially just an exercise in masculinity, however you see it, right? Like, um, uh, uh, infighting between and other groups of males and stuff like that to try to get yourself to stand out. Every fucking species does this. There's mating calls right. of all and mating rituals of all sorts. But now we're living in this world where it is the case that a lot of women uh, are out earning men, not just because of equality, even, but it's kind of flipped now where there's way more women in in college than men, like way more women. Um, and, you know, and, and, we're starting to see the output of that now because it's been like that for a few years where there's way more women in higher paying jobs just as a matter of course. Um, so I don't think men have figured out, I don't think men have figured out how to demonstrate their value as a, as a provider in this, in this new dynamic. Um, I don't think women have figured out what they should be looking for in, in, in that case as a provider. Um, and then, you know, we've also kind of, we've kind of um, this phrase toxic masculinity, the exercise of masculinity, which has been, you know, part of our mating ritual for 2 million years of human evolution, all of a sudden now is kind of looked down on. So, and, and I don't think most women believe that really. I like women, no matter how leftist they are, they're still looking for a strong dude. Um, But I think it's affected men more. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of uh, let's call them limp dick retards who have bought into all this bullshit and think that right. they have to be, they think that they have to act like a bitch to get, you know, to, to, to attract women. Not, it's not true first, but I mean, it doesn't matter if it's true or not because they believe it. Right. So right. what, from your perspective, I know you're going back to the traditional route almost to make a point, if nothing else, but definitely because you believe it. Um, yeah. How do, I mean, these dynamics are what they are, and they're not going to change anytime soon. We can, we can definitely massage the latter part where we don't demonize masculinity and we reintroduce the, the, the courting process that includes demonstrations of masculinity and, and teach people to ignore leftist dum-dums who are talking shit about it. But the, the earner, the provider thing is a whole different story, and I don't know if that's going to change. Yeah, that's going to be tough. And I think a lot of the problem with some kind of conservative thought at this point in time is that we assume, I, I say we because I am 100% a conservative and I have been my entire life, um, but we kind of tend to assume that we can just kind of fix it with an on-off switch. This is a generational problem. This is going to take years, if not decades, to kind of course correct, and it's going to require concerted effort from pretty much everyone on the scene. Like We need some kind of unity that the Democrats have that we tend to lack because we are individually focused i get that that's great it's a strength but it makes it tricky to kind of try to influence culture um what you were saying about guys being psychopaths is very true and it's actually linked directly to testosterone which is why i think women tend to fall into the trap of saying oh i need this i need to be more aggressive i need to be more like men what we're doing there like you said is trying to remap this thing this this method this way of being that humans have naturally used for millions of years to try to find a spouse 
So when Andy and I are talking about raising our kids, we are emphasizing to each other and we are pushing the idea and that we really want to teach our kids that masculinity is great and so is femininity. They're just different. They are not competing. And this has been one of my messages through my entire time doing my own thing. It's like men need women, women need men. And we can complain about each other as much as we want, but we are not at war. And I think that one of the chief lies that's been sold to both sexes is that the opposite sex is bad. They're evil and they're out to get you. Some of them are, sure, but you cannot assign to four and a half billion people the intentions of being out to get you. You certainly should not. At the same time, you can look at some of the trends. Men are certainly put down. If we have a son, we're not finding out what we're having yet. If we have a son, we're really going to push back on the idea of um, toxic masculinity because masculinity as a whole is not toxic. It simply has that aggressive element of testosterone that makes it possible for a man to compete in a world where he needs to find a spouse. He needs to provide for his family. These are the things that make a man, not just a traditional man, but if you look for the most fulfilled man, you will find that they are married. Typically they have children, they have jobs that provide for their families and they feel a great sense of fulfillment from doing those relatively, they sound simple, they're not easy, but they're relatively simple things. So I think that it feels like my mindset is trying to remap everything about this cultural shift, but it is it's not reactive, but it is in response to what they've done with trying to change everything we think about mating, about pair bonding, about marriage, about men being good or bad, about either sex being positive or negative. And I think that pushing people to have a clear eyed view of each gender is going to make a world of difference. If we're actually going to make a change. We just need to tell, need to tell each other that we have important roles to play that are different from one another and that we do not need to try to be something that we're not. We'll see how well I'm able to do that. I don't make that big of a difference, but if I have an option to say something, I will absolutely say something because I don't hear a lot of other women, especially women my age, saying the same thing. So I'm just going to keep pushing it until I see something changing because both genders are suffering and I have a serious problem with that. So Yeah, I was just talking to... Um... <clears throat> Dave Rubin about this a couple of weeks ago, um, about two things you're saying right now. One is that what you just said, um, the, the more like we, we get to decide where the Overton window is, you know what I mean? Where the political left and right limits fall. And every time you stay silent when something is clearly wrong, then it gets, it, the, the window moves a little bit. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, that's bad news. I guess good news is that you can control it to some degree. Um, not speaking up when something's clearly wrong because you're afraid or want to fit in or whatever. That's like, you're, 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 you're going to get what you pay for. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? In that regard. And the other part of it is I do see a, a, an extreme lack of, um, I guess the modern parlance would be influencers from the female side who kind of wake up to all this bullshit yeah. Um, and the reason is because they wake up to it and they're like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to go homestead or live my life and, and not do this anymore. And right. I, I understand that I have several friends who have done that. Um, and I don't want to pressure anybody into, you know, publicizing their life too much because that can cause problems sometimes. But 
you know, it's like, if you want to be a patriot, you have to realize when your country needs you. And, and yes. women, young women, especially uh, right now, need an example. They need somebody to fucking show them that. And look, it's not, it's not for – not every woman's going to be a mom, although for the vast majority of women, and I mean like the vast majority, 99% probably, are going to be most fulfilled. And it may not be direct motherhood. They may not uh, have a child of their own, but it's going to be – nurturing and empathizing and 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 organizing those are the things that women are particularly good at so when you do what you're good at you know what i mean that's when you're going to feel feel the most fulfilled in life in the same way that men are going to feel the most fulfilled when they're leading when they're uh providing and protecting and and being parent uh being a parent um you know it's hard to i don't i don't want to disabuse somebody of their right to be private and live a private life I do kind of feel like you've got a responsibility um, to, if you're in that position and you're awake and you're able to, you should probably tell a lot of people what you're doing and why so they can see, you know, I, 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 not to use the old phrase uh, too much, but uh, representation does matter. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Henry Rollins used to talk about it in the early 2000s when it was kind of before everybody started coming out as gay and shit. And he goes, if you're a celebrity out there or somebody that's powerful and you're gay and you don't come out, there's kids that are like getting abused by their parents or getting kicked out of their house because they think and feel differently than other people. Um, right. And they don't like they to them, there's no hope. Right. Because they don't see that shit happening. He goes, you're a fucking coward if you do that. And I don't think that's the case now. It's not the case like women who are choosing to go back to the family life and not make a big deal out of it or not publish it. That's not cowardice. I'm not saying that because you're just living your fucking life in that regard. But I right. do feel like there is some level of responsibility. You know what I mean? If you figure out something that's going to improve your life, you should tell people about it. 100%. Well, we were saying too, we fully plan to homeschool all our kids, however many we have, and we want to keep them away from these ridiculous negative influences, which is actually something that my parents were really good about when I was growing up. Yeah, I felt like I was a little too sheltered. I don't understand a lot of cultural references now. I have not seen a lot of movies, but at this point in time, I'm so grateful because I was a tomboy when I was younger. So unbelievably grateful every single day that I did not live in a family that thought that the best course of action with a girl who chose to wear carpenter jeans and chose to wear steel-toed boots and didn't really feel like a Disney princess chose not to decide that I was a boy, but assumed that I was just a girl who was having maybe a challenging and awkward time with adolescence and chose not to give me testosterone or do anything else that would affect my future, like, seriously. And I'm, I'm thankful every day for that. So what I'm trying to do with that is hand that off to my kids and say, look, we're going to keep you away from these teachers who want to do horrible things to and with you. We're going to keep you out of classes where, you know, the entire class goes to the gender clinic and says we want testosterone because being in fifth grade is awkward and hard, like happened in St. Louis. And at the same time, I'm looking at the world and I'm like, look, we're not going to be able to protect our kids from everything. The only thing you can do is try to affect the culture so positively that the people around your kids, the people who will ultimately work alongside and possibly employ your kids, try to make a positive influence on them and push them to accept the idea that being conservative isn't bad. Like following conservative figures isn't a bad thing. 
Being a mother is a good thing. Being a father is a good thing. Getting married is a great thing. Even though there are high rates of divorce for other people, we've kind of neglected the concept of personal responsibility. You mentioned stoicism a ways back, but there's the, the underlying concept in stoicism that you are responsible for your understanding of the world and for exactly what you do. That's what you control. And you should not worry and fret about the rest of the world. And you shouldn't spend too much time and energy thinking about all the stuff you wish were different. You should only work to change the stuff that you have control over. So that's one of the things we're gonna be teaching our kids too. But like you said, you can't just retreat, right? And I do understand that because my family was homeschooled. We lived in the country. We had a little bit of land and we didn't see a lot of other people. And I understand that completely wanting to keep your kids away from that stuff. But if you ever want things to change, you have to be brave enough to step out and say, look, something's going on here that's incredibly wrong. It's hurting people and I want to see a change. So I'm going to do what I can. Might be small, but I'm going to say what I can. This episode of Citizens also brought to you by Ghostbed. Dot com forward slash drinky bros right now ghostbed is offering 40 percent off ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else 30 percent off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros if you get the uh 40 off deal if you use the 40 off bundle deal you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff your base your sheets your pillows all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month They've got a zero down, zero percent financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months at five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinking bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket, they have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code Drinking Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by Firstform. Firstform.com forward slash Drinking Bros. The product they really want you using is the Micro Factor. It's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now, what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ10, great for heart health, multivitamins. Uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA, which is to say fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little packet. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow, uh, probably with some liquid, preferably water. Um, they got all kinds of other great products as well. Uh, talking about those meat sticks, the breakfast sausages, meat stick is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And of course, they have energy drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff over there. They got great protein, the best supplements on the market if you spend over 75 bucks you're going to get free shipping so go to firstform.com forward slash drinker bros and get those deals yeah i think uh you know i I think a lot of people feel so disconnected from any kind of power or authority at this point you know what i mean it's like who am i to say anything to anybody else about what they're doing um this is from the conservative side. Leftists have no problem trying to tell everybody right. what to do. Yeah. But I, I do think, you know, I mean, kind of, it is, it's almost intrinsic to the, to conservative principles that you don't interfere with other people's lives. Um, well, that's supposed to be the case. I don't think any, I don't think very many Republicans these days are anything approaching conservative, to be honest. They're mostly neocons now, but, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. you know, there, there is some, like you wouldn't, 
there is a way to communicate without browbeating people, without demanding things of them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, and I think it's the same way. I am not religious. I don't believe in anything, to be honest. But um, if you uh, if you're a Christian person and you're looking at the ways that people in the New Testament were uh, uh, the way that they did outreach, I guess, the way that Paul talked to people um, or the way that Jesus uh, in the red text talked to people as well. You don't see a whole lot of demands necessarily. What you see is information. And I think, you know, good ideas always beat bad ideas. Like there's no, there's no reason to, to, to force people into good ideas. As a matter of fact, usually if you are forcing somebody into an idea, it probably isn't good, frankly. Um, and, um, you know, I I do under, I understand that conservatives don't want to, they don't want to like exert power over other people. And, but you have to find a way to communicate without doing that. I mean, you know, the same way you do with your children, I guess. Or in, when I was in the military, you know, there is, there is definitely a hierarchical power structure there, obviously, just by design. Um, but when bullets start flying, everybody's equal, in my opinion, because we can all die, you know. Um, so we all have to be doing the right thing. And it's why one of the principles in, in our list here is um, no matter where I am, I'll be a leader. And as a leader, I will eat last. The, the, I guess the, um, the call to action is to that it's just by being aware there's some level of responsibility conveyed upon you to make other people aware right and then the second part of it is that you put other people before yourself and i think that's something that um no matter uh uh, greenleaf wrote about it in the servant as a leader um but there is to me that is the the base structure of a of a well-functioning society is that the people with the most experience, the most information, the most wisdom, the most power, the most authority, the most wealth, whatever it is, put other people before themselves. I think that's the the only, and that's the collectivism that so many shitty ideologies have tried to, to, they've tried to manufacture it, but it's always manufactured through authoritarianism, right? Like it it doesn't work that way, but you as a human being have the option to you can just decide to do that right and and it is within your power the only things that are in within your power uh the only things that you can control in life in my opinion are your attitude and your effort right and yes we just have this shitty tendency when things go poorly to think of ourselves first and that never works it, it is it's like a recipe for disaster for some reason we keep falling into the same trap it's 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 a very i think it's survival instinct to some degree but it it ignores like all of humanity is defined by our attempts to work together right to to rely on each other that's why we built uh that's why we came together and built the first villages to defend from external threats and then we started building buildings and then gates and then castle walls and all this stuff because, and then put everything we care about inside of those walls. That was, that was this, that's the evolution of human civilization. Now, why do you think that is, right? Because we don't need or care about each other? Obviously, that's not the case. So right. it seems like if we're going to go pathological about something, it should be, we should be individually pathological about taking care of everything around us, all the people around us. 
And then there, there's this old saying in hunting, if you take care of the land, the land will take care of you. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a general principle that we seem to have lost, frankly. Honestly, I feel like this particular principle is very reflective of parenthood. I think that parenthood really teaches people the importance of putting others first and making sure that whenever you eat, it's after everyone else is taken care of. And I wonder if losing parenthood as an important social impetus for young people is kind of being reflected in this because you're right, we don't see this much anymore and we need leadership. And it looks different for women than it does for men. With men, it's a little bit more straightforward as with pretty much everything when it comes to men is much more direct and easier to understand in some ways. But when it comes to women, you need someone who's going to be willing to say, listen, we femininity is important. It's not the same as masculinity and we need to preserve it and fight to protect it. And just like that, we need to preserve and protect motherhood. We need to preserve our children. We need to push like Moms for Liberty, I think is fantastic because it's a group of women who are standing up and saying, you know what, we don't like the way this is going and we're going to do something about it. In spite of all the attacks, I think that's fantastic. They're truly some of my role models because they're saying, we're kind of done being agreeable. We're going to be pushing back in probably the most agreeable way possible because we understand we have a role here to push for. We need to show other people how it's done. In my book, that is true leadership because that requires a great deal of bravery. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable. It puts you in the spotlight. Um, and they're not being shrinking violets. They're saying we have something important to say and gosh darn it, we are going to make that happen. So I really think that our our whole culture loses something, well, so many, so many important things by losing its view of parenthood. Um, I was at the pet store today and I was like, wow, there are really people out there who think that owning a pet is the same as having a child. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with that because humans and pets aren't even on the same, like they're not even on the same axis. And I love animals. We have a dog and a cat and I love them dearly. Um, I love my cat pretty much more than life itself. And I think, I would like to think that he feels the same about me. My dog, I'm working on training, so we'll get her there. But it's it's hard to look around kids my age, kids my age. I still think of myself as a kid to many degrees because I don't have the experience that lots of people do. But it's hard to look around at people my age and say, they really think that being a parent is something that's not important. And then they get into their 30s, late 30s, 40s, and 50s, and they're like, why do I feel like suicide seriously because they don't have anything that they're pushing for they have nothing to fight for bit of an issue with tim scott jumping into the republican race because i was like where is his investment in the future i look at angela merkel and i look at you know the leader of france and all these other people and i'm like they don't have a direct link to the future they don't care as much as they would if they had children so i think that particular principle and the leadership aspect and the parenthood thing is a direct overlap very important part of making sure that we survive as a species for sure. Yeah. You know what I wonder about is, um, <clears throat> and by the way, I, I apply that same logic to politicians over the age of 60. It's like, you're not really going to be living with a lot of the decisions you're making for the right. other 350 million of us. So I'm not really comfortable with you being in that position of power, but, um, I do wonder what the world's going to be like, what, what the United States especially is going to be like in 30 to 40 years when people in our, 
general age group who don't have kids are now in like nursing homes and need to be taken care of. Right. Like there's, we're not, uh, you can cut down a lot of trees if you plant a forest cause it takes 20 years to grow. Right. Um, you just got to do it a little ahead of time. And we are, uh, <laughs> we, we've not done any of the work required of us, historically speaking, to have comfortable end of year care or I'm sorry, end of life care. Right. Um, and that really bugs me because, uh, you know, that the only solution that will ever be offered, it will come from the state, which basically means they're going to turn us into fucking, uh, 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 you know, cat food or something <laughs> like, I, right. I don't, I don't know exactly what the, what the solution will be soil and green or something like that, but it's not going to be great. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and one of the things that we are seeing, I started talking about this in October of last year, right. As we were getting ready to leave Timcast. The idea, the concept of the euthanasia that they're pushing in Canada and in some of those specific Northwest states is just, it's not unbelievable and very pro-life. So it doesn't surprise me that this is our next step if we are okay with people not even coming into existence as humans. We should also be okay with taking them out of existence at the end, especially, interestingly enough, if, if we find that it's expensive for the state to take care of them. Now you remove the concept of children, you remove the concept of parenthood, then you bring in the state and you say, oh, they're going to take care of you. Well, when you get to end of life, if your care is complicated, there was a veteran in Canada who was waiting for a, a chairlift in her home. And they said, have you considered taking the Canadian way out? That's why I call it on my channel, which is on YouTube. And I'm not trying to say the S word too much. So they're like, have you considered suicide? This is something that they're offering to people, people who are homeless, people who have maybe financial difficulties. And they're just like, well, this is an option. Just saying, have you considered not being a burden on the state? And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what happens when you give the state the control over your health care, when you give them the power to determine, you know, you literally give them the power to call the shots when it comes to your life. And I think that people haven't really thought through the implications of that very thoroughly. And it's coming back to bite us. And I think that's only going to get worse, especially as more and more people are approaching retirement. Yeah. Age, yeah. Yeah. Home yeah. It's uh, by the way, that program in Canada is called made medical assistance yeah. in dying, um, which is like, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Um, now I get, if you're like, if you have terminal cancer and you don't want to spend the next two years or 18 months just withering away, fucking, I don't, I, I'm not, I would never disagree. Like I've, I've suffered myself. Uh, right. and if somebody wants to check out and there's no fucking hope that, and it's a medical condition, maybe, I guess, I don't think the government has any right to tell you, you can't do something like that, but the government actively advertising that, Hey, you having a bad day? Let's fucking kill yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that seems a bit heck? much, man. It's like that things have, things have taken a pretty sharp turn the last few years from, um, politicians and government, corporate people kind of tongue in cheek doing stuff or behind the scenes and not really talking about it openly to now they're just like, yeah, hey, fuck you. We're going to kill you. You know, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty bizarre these days. Um, yeah. the other, uh, so you, you brought up abortion. I don't, really give a shit about that issue to be honest i do think it's reflective of some cultural issues though what here's my take is that i think the right is fighting the incorrect battle here i, I don't think that fighting to ban abortion using the state to adjudicate that is anywhere close to the right solution to that right mm -hmm. uh uh 
I understand that people, especially religious people who think that there's like a soul and stuff like that, they think that it's murder because it's uh, for, for all the obvious reasons. And I, I don't, um, I don't believe what you believe. So I, that doesn't occur to me to think that way, but I understand the position, but it is never, it never works to try to legislate morality. It never, mm-hmm. at, at no point in any part of human history has that ever been effective. And I, it's, it's, it occurs to me that if you really want to solve this problem, there's a better way of doing it. Right. And that is what you're doing, frankly, which, which is like, make it cool to be a parent again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that is, that's the solution. And to fight back against all these goddamn lies that these leftist dum-dums have been telling people for all these years. Um, right. But, and the, the Republican party is, they are content to use it as an issue to get people to vote, right? Um, yeah. In the same way that the left is content to do the same with that issue and guns and all yep. kinds of other stuff. Um, yep. And uh, there's, uh, I just think it's the wrong strategy, right? Like you're, you're, we, we do have this tendency in the West to solve problems downstream instead of upstream. And the result is, I mean, it's like, it's like trying to dam a river 200 miles downhill instead of at the source. You know what I mean? Yes. It doesn't, it, it's more difficult to do and it never really works long-term. So yeah, I, but at least you can say you're doing something right, which is exactly what they do. Well, We're sort of something. though, right? I mean, you're not actually doing anything. Right. To be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I, and I get it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't like to disabuse anybody of their, um, of their opinions when it comes to, to life and liberty and religion and things like that. Obviously we're all going to be a bit different, but I, and I said the same thing, by the way, during uh, the Occupy Wall Street protests and uh, the, the BLM style protests, which didn't start in fucking 2015. They, they've been going on for a very long time. Um, like a lot of white people got heat Actually, some dude wrote a book, I think, and it was kind of a satirical book. Like, uh, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically like how, when, and why you're allowed to protest systemic racism by white people, right? <laughs> it was like authored by white people or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it right. went. But it was like, how, who are you to tell me how, when, and why I'm allowed to protest something that I feel is a just cause? Like, no, right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But I want you to, like, if you believe in your cause, I want you to win. And you're not going to win by standing in the fucking street and blocking traffic. That's stupid. Like it's a cultural insurgency and you win by gaining patronage and then you uh, uh, win by spreading your message and making it, making it obvious why it's a good thing for people. And I don't think telling, I don't think old white dudes in Congress telling women what they can and can't do is achieving that goal. Like you're not bringing no, no, no woman. And even on the right, by the way, I mean, I think, something like 36% of Republican women are pro-choice as well. Uh, they wouldn't say that in front of their husbands maybe, but when they go to the voting, <laughs> yeah. when they go to the voting booth, that is the case. Um, you're not winning any of those people over to your side by right. telling them what they can and can't do in the same way that people that want quote unquote common sense gun laws, which are never common sense gun laws, but people who want that stuff aren't winning any gun owners over to their side by trying to make laws limiting their liberty. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work. So I wonder from like having had that conversation now from your perspective, what do you think 
What do you think it takes? Forget about laws and legislation and shit. What do you think it takes from cultural messaging standpoint to reduce abortion? Because I don't think I th- I think it's uh, I think there's there's ways to do that. But I'm curious what your opinion is. I'm very glad you asked because a while ago I was looking at the numbers. I was looking at how many babies died every year in abortion, and I was thinking, you know what? There's no way to fix this from the top down. And this is from thence kind of informed my political worldview because you don't solve these issues from the top down. You solve them from the ground up, which means that one person goes to another person and says, hey, I think this, here's why. Now you know somebody who thinks the way I think, so you'll be able to look at the rest of these issues and be like, oh, I actually know somebody who's a good person, who's a nice person, who's living out these values and who thinks X. Therefore, I kind of have a little bit more context to view the world now. That might feel like a small thing, but I'm of the opinion that if enough people were to choose to be brave and do that, that, and were to choose to stand up and say, hey, you know what, this is what I actually think. I don't really care that it's not cool. It doesn't matter. We're not in high school anymore. It doesn't matter what's cool. It doesn't even really matter what other people think. I'm just going to tell you what I believe which is not just what I think, it's what I truly deeply believe that I informed through reading the news and reading the science and finding out what's actually the truth. I was looking at these anti-feminist commentators and I was like, you know what you're doing is exactly what Ibram Kendi is doing. And he's saying, what we need to fight racism now is more racism. (laughs) So to solve past racism, it's the dumbest concept in the world. Mm solve past racism we need more racism now and into the future that's nuts okay because the way you fight lies is with truth it is not with more lies and truth has this incredibly healing property that once people start to wake up to it we see this a lot when people i remember this from when trump was in office when people would actually listen to trump's speech Uh, the full speech, not just the cut up CNN version, they'd be like, holy cow, that's really what he said, huh? That means that everything the media has been telling me about this guy is not true. Mm. I wonder what else they're lying to me about. So when you interject just a little bit of honesty to the conversation, and when you do that on a personal level, you start to make cultural change. I've never thought that we should pass more bills to fix these problems, because I don't think that's gonna solve anything. We can do things at the state level. I'm a huge 10th Amendment fan. Uh, We can push laws to the state level that reduce the numbers of problems that I see, like abortion. We can push things at the state level for like, you know, concealed, license-free, gun carry, all that other stuff. Like Florida's doing in July, they're putting through, no, you don't have to have a permit to carry a gun, which I think is fantastic. They push through a six-week abortion ban, which I also think is fantastic, but Those things don't make a difference. You can still go to a different state and do what you want to do. Unless you change people's views of the world, you're not going to actually make a lasting difference. You're not going to convince a woman that she probably shouldn't have an abortion unless you introduce these ideas beforehand and lay the groundwork. Because, yeah, I'm not an authoritarian. I'm very much, and it's harder, right? It's harder. The solution to this is not easy. That's why I say it's going to take years to do. It's harder to go the cultural route. And that makes me think it's the right approach. If it's harder to me, it makes sense that that's probably what needs to be done, unfortunately. But that's my stance on the cultural thing. Yeah. I mean, we all know how biology works. Well, that's not true. We don't know. what <laughs> We knew. But, but human, adult human beings 
even teenagers know that if you uh, ejaculate inside of a biological woman, there's a chance a baby's going to pop out nine months later, right? Right. right. Um, so, you know, banning things, I just it just never works. I mean, the war on drugs is the best example of all time of yeah. that. Like the drugs definitely won that war. Um, yes. <laughs> but you know that we have a disconnect between action and consequence and between action and outcome now. Right. Um, and it's part of this overarching self-centeredness that's happened in, in the world. Um, like we just, we, we expect outcomes now instead of, you know, realizing that there's some effort required there. Uh, and even, you know, just from the cultural standpoint, I think it's pretty clear that more people being informed and being in, and being parents uh, that have purpose, whose lives are defined by that, not just by that purpose, but and partially by that purpose, but by purpose, more broadly speaking, right. um, that it's best for society, right? Not just for them, it's best for society. That's the, but, you know, that that is something of a collectivist idea, like you should do what's best for society. Um, I think there's no question about the fact that it is best for society, right? I think the problem is that people don't see how it's best for them because they've been lied to so much. Um, and people are very self-centered these days. I think when, when it used to be when times are tough, um, you know, sometimes you will see people get, I guess, more self-centered as a survival instinct. But what I've noticed is, and politically speaking, uh, when people have more liberty an opportunity, they tend to care more about other people than themselves because they don't necessarily have to focus on protecting their own rights all the time. Right. right. Like when, when people, historically speaking, when people have become comfortable inside of their ability to be autonomous, right. They've reached out and helped other people mostly, right. Like the eighties, nineties, even the early two thousands in America, the American public gave more money to charitable causes internationally than any other country other than the United States, right? So the only the only entity that gave more in charitable contributions internationally when there was a disaster or anything like that than the U.S. government itself was the population of the United States. I think it's because right. people felt more or less happy, content with where they were, and the instinct is that it's difficult to watch other people struggle if you're doing well. I think it's uncomfortable for people. Um, yeah. But people are so self-centered now, they don't seem to care what's best for society anymore. But then I wondered, do they? Because people rally around issues like climate change all the time, right? They, they, and I can't tell if it's just like a personality cult or something where they'll go buy these shitty, especially in the early days, the hybrid cars and the, um, the early, the early electric cars were just absolute garbage. Right. Um, right. and you know, even today, knowing what it takes vis-a-vis -vis, uh, uh, cobalt mines and things like that to keep these things going should probably give some people some concern. But they do, people have rallied around this issue of climate change a lot uh, because mm -hmm. I, I think it's mostly, some of it's social pressure, sure, but I think people have just been convinced that it's bad for society or humanity. Um, and I wonder what methods those groups are using that could be used for other social things. You know what I mean? I don't want to fucking scare people. I don't like using fear as a motivator because I think it's, it has a very short, uh, uh, uh half-life, but there has to be, I, I, somebody should 
take into account or analyze exactly what strategy some of these groups are using and see if they can't be leveraged to get people to start thinking rationally again. Yes, that's actually a really good point that I hadn't fully considered. I will say that with the um, climate change thing, when it comes to having institutional power, you have all the power to step into the classroom and start preaching this concept early, early on. Um, and it's kind of the same with the trans ideology stuff that we're seeing now. It's very, very difficult to say that that's not happening anymore because we see all these books and we see the videos from TikTok from the teachers talking about what they're doing and they're proud of it and they put it out there in the public for everyone to see. And of course, then they get mad at libs of TikTok for going through and seeing it and sharing it with conservatives. But there is definitely a strategy to be had there because what's happened with climate change is they've convinced people that this is a positive thing for everyone. And this is something that we all need to pitch in on. And there's something very positive there. It's not just about fear, I don't think, although fear and anger and all of that clickbait stuff is very, very important for getting people on board with this in the first place. When you tell people that this is something everybody needs to jump in on to make a difference for the world, and this isn't even for other people, right, necessarily, although they will push the idea that thousands and millions of people will die if we don't stop using fossil fuels, um, Although counterintuitively, Greta Thunberg's solution to just stop using it altogether would result in countless deaths. But that's an aside. She's just completely misinformed on how it would actually work. They've kind of done a really positive thing where they've convinced people that this is the morally and ethically correct thing to do is to take these steps and try to make sure that we are not harming the world. And whether they're right about how they or, or whether how whether people think they're solving it. The way they're the way they think they're solving. Okay, let me try that again. The mm. Whether the way people think they're solving the problem is the correct way to go or not. There we go. Um, is correct. Uh, then then it almost doesn't matter because they're taking the steps that they think are going to help. And yes, I think that you're right in that we could kind of not weaponize, but use that in our own interest to kind of convince people that, for example, abortion's bad. Guns are good. Guns help save people's lives. Abortion is shouldn't even be necessary because every baby should be born into a married family with a dad who has a job and a mom who really wants to be a mother. And those are deep cultural things that are going to take a lot of work. But I think you're right as far as the messaging. I think climate change has really got great marketing campaign and there's a lot that could be used there. I'm going to have to think about that some more for sure. Yeah, I wonder if it isn't that. Yeah, and you touched on something in that uh, uh, climate change is it's easy to relate that to all not just all current human beings, but future human beings as well. You know what right. I mean? And that's been, you know, historically speaking, that's been a, a pretty good motivator for most human beings, not not their legacy necessarily, but people think people uh, seem to think two to three generations deep about certain things. Um it's like I want my kids and my grandkids to have a better life than me, stuff like that. That used to be a primary motivator in Western culture, right. and I, not just a Western culture, by the way. I mean, uh, Middle Eastern culture, uh, uh, the 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 colloquial name for pretty much any Arab dude or even uh, even non-Arab Muslims who becomes a father is Abu, whatever their kid's name is. So. F- like father of, father of right right so i mean it's like it's huge in pretty much every culture on earth except for the west now it doesn't seem like we think about that well it's like people aren't interested in being parents anymore so i wonder what 
from the psychological standpoint, the cultural psychological standpoint, that's the part that really both intrigues and concerns me. When did we lose, when did the, the average human being, male or female, stop thinking about that? When, they, when did they stop thinking about, not I'm going to grow up and have kids and do this, but stop, stop thinking about, uh, I'm going to make a better life for my kids and hopefully they can make a better life for theirs. Did we just reach a level where we didn't think there was going to be much improvement in the future? Or did we, like narcissists, stare into the mirror too goddamn long and turn into flowers and now we don't care about anybody else? I wonder what the inflection point exactly was for that because it definitely happened. People don't think like that anymore. I'm going to place the blame fully on birth control and on feminism, because by severing that line to the future for women, you're also severing it for men. And by introducing abortion, you're making it even easier for a man to be like, hey, you know what? I don't have a kid, so let's uh, let's not do that. And then you you remove, you make it. So I think maybe birth control isn't the wrong, the right place to pin that to. Maybe sexual freedom is the right place to pin that to, because all of those things came together to divorce the concept of parenthood from the concept of the eternal understanding that having sex would result in future responsibility mm. for you, right? So when you get rid of that, you have people who are functionally unmoored, like they don't have this understanding of responsibility tied to what they do today. So what you do today will result in another human being in nine months. That's crazy. That's something that grounds you for better or for worse. And if you also have the understanding that you're going to have to get married because of that, because that is something premarital sex has existed pretty much as long as, you know, humanity has been around, but typically consistent with premarital sex and pregnancy has been the understanding that you are going to be married to that person whether you like it or not, truly for better or for worse. If you were 16 and 17, didn't matter. Going to make that happen because the understanding was that the kid needed mom and dad. So for mom to go through pregnancy, really big biological burden, really weakens her and puts in her position of vulnerability. So she needs dad to come along and help her. When we got rid of that, I think that kind of freed us to, we thought it was going to make us happier Mm. and freer. And we got rid of these things that actually gave us a lot of purpose and meaning and gave us a direction to shoot for. So Jordan Peterson talks a lot about having a direction to move toward. And we've removed that. And we're just like, yeah, see, we're going to be happy now. We're going to be fine. And I'm like, we're neither happy nor fine. Mm. It's made us miserable. It's cut our birth rate. It means that we're not really going to have a future. And I look at kids, again, kids, people my age who are going to Disneyland and buying Happy Meals. And I'm like, they're doing, they're trying to recreate how they felt as a child, right? That's how addicts behave, by the way. They're always chasing the high. Interesting. I hadn't made that connection. I think you're right. I think what you're supposed to do with that longing for being a kid was bring it to your kids and say, hey, you know what I used to love doing when I was five? I used to love Legos. Let's play Legos together. And then not only do you get to play with Legos again, you get to see your child appreciate it and enjoy it for the first time. And from what I'm told, that's pretty much the same as experiencing it 100% new, which just sounds fantastic. Mm. That sounds like how it's supposed to be. Whereas these kids, these people my age who don't have kids will go to Disneyland and they're like, yeah, I'm going to spend all this money. Great for the economy. Fine. Whatever you want to do. But that's not that's not all it's about. 
you need to also bring new people into the world to show how awesome it is. And then you get to experience that. So I really would, I would pin the sexual revolution with all these problems because I think that that was such a fundamental cultural linchpin. And, and when you talk about like being father of, and also to some degree, like in Scotland, being the son of mm-hmm. Iceland, being the daughter of, when you divorce that from our actual biological drives, you're going to have a problem. And I don't understand why we didn't think that through earlier. Cause I know there were deep thinkers who recognized the value of focusing on the future even then, but for whatever reason we thought this would work just dandy and it's not. Yeah. I think I, what I think is that <clears throat> people involved in, I think a lot of the people involved in stuff like this are extremely liberty minded. I think it's difficult for them to, to preach to people sometimes. Now there's a lot of sex researchers and postmodernist dum-dums that have not had any issues with that stuff. And for them, I think it was just, um, I think it was just all pathological nonsense, but like for me personally, I know that it is, it is uh, uh, to me, a scientific fact that the vast majority of women are going to be happiest when they have a strong husband who's in charge, right? They're going to be, and I, and, and they're going to be happiest when they have children to nurture and raise. Um, now that might include working employment, stuff like that. It may not, they may be a very strong willed person. I fucking hope they are right. Because nobody right. likes weak people in general, but right. even, even, I, who I, I typically don't give a fuck what people think about what I say, frankly. Um, like if it's, if you, if you're, if I'm saying something incorrect, correct me and I'll learn new stuff. I'm fine with that, but I don't give a shit if people are critical. Um, but even I find it somewhat uncomfortable to try to tell women what it is to be women. Like, how are you going to be happiest? You know what I mean? I, I don't necessarily know that it's my place to say that. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of it is wrapped up in that. Right. People don't want to. People don't want to be know-it-alls about stuff. Or now, now everybody does. But you know, when all this stuff was developing, I think people didn't want to be like, um, like, it, who am I to tell a woman how she's going to be happy or not? But th- it, it is just basic common sense. You know what I mean? Like we are, we we have been biologically and socially programmed to be this way, and you're mm-hmm. not going to undo that. That ain't happening, dude. Like you can go on a vegetarian diet if you want, but there's a reason you have canines and incisors in your mouth. So it's, it's to tear flesh apart. So, you know, it's, that's why I, I always pine for more women in this space who will say that stuff because I feel like you get one of two things. Either it's just, you know, a fast talking loud mouth who ends up on one of the major cable news networks and uh, says, (laughs) ridiculous things for clicks or it's a woman that actually figures life out and disappears to go live her fucking life very few stick around to to tell the story you know what i mean which is i'm glad that you're doing it yeah yeah i one of my role models and one of my friends is lauren chen because she has she's trying to do the same thing i'm trying to do she's out there i believe she's christian but she's like actually an influencer and she's saying actually conservative things not neocon things, not things that are getting her on Fox News. And she does lots of speaking at CPAC or whatever, and that's great. But she's 
the kind of person who will do her show, her recorded show that she puts on YouTube with her baby on her lap, if she can do that without interrupting everything. That's the kind of person I actually put together a group of moms who are kind of in this space because I wanted to know that there are other women like that out there. There have to be, right? And you're right about the fast talking, you know, nice looking, whatever, ladies who go on to Fox. You've got Tommy Laren, you've got some of those other ladies. And that's fine. They have a role to play. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to make that cultural change because they're not. There's something very important about having a lived experience. And until recently, when I was watching female OBGYN saying that there actually wasn't such a thing as a woman and men could be women. Up until then, I was like, actually, I would like a female OB because I would not take my car to a mechanic who does not also own a car. Mm-hmm. You know, I want somebody who has a functional knowledge of where I'm at. I'd like somebody who knows what it's like to be maybe going through like postpartum depression or somebody who knows what it's like to get a cervical exam or some other horrible thing they have to do to women. Um, and I appreciate that lived experience. And the left has kind of co-opted the idea of lived experience. But in order to tell somebody about why you think their position in life could be improved and how you think it can be improved, it does help to be along the same lines as that person, right? And it's it's not a sex, it doesn't make a difference in sex how you can read data, okay? So we know what makes women happy. Women who are happiest tend to be part-time employees, mothers, most part staying at home. So you have the element of adding to society and you also have a very, very strong element of influencing your own children. I think that's perfect. That's just the right balance because it's it's you're living in a modern world. You should have the option to work and earn money for your family. That makes you feel like you're really playing an important role. But you want to be raising your kids, and that takes a lot of your energy. So you can do that from home, which I think is great that we live in a world where we even can do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to encourage women who might not otherwise stand up and say something about what they think. And it is hard, like you say. I've always noticed that women are very busy, especially when they're moms. It's hard to convince them that this needs to be done. But like with Moms for Liberty, uh, there are women like Azra Nomani. You have people like, um, like I said, Lauren Chen. We have other people who are being moms and also voicing their views. And they're very important, very diverse views. I really respect and appreciate that. But I want more. We have to make more of a cultural impact to women to undo what feminism has done. And it's a huge, huge task to tackle. Um, And it feels very lonely sometimes, but there are certainly women out there who are doing that. And I'm so grateful for them. So hopefully that trend continues. Yeah. Tell me. So before we get out of here, uh, along those lines, tell me about the show that you're doing now. Oh, yeah. So my show right now, I basically just ramble either by myself or to somebody else who I've co-opted into joining me as a guest. I have a lot of fun with it because I'm basically just looking at the news and I'm like, all right, so here's how this is going to affect the culture. Like with the uh, submarine tragedy, I was looking at how people were responding to it. And I was like, why are leftists so okay with the idea of people dying as long as they were people who were, for example, rich? Mm a problem and i also talked a little bit about how social media allows you to be anonymous and lets you say whatever you think and i was talking about how i used to think that social media was just an amplifier of who you are already but i'm starting to think the anonymity makes it easy for people to just be the worst versions of themselves but i just kind of like to try to give people something to think about they can yell at me if they want to they can always yell at me on twitter 
um, which is why I appreciate Twitter. So I'm basically going out and I really was wanting to talk to Elad, Elad Elihu, who recorded that video of the people chanting at the Pride March. Mm. We're, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, um, which is an incredibly shocking thing. I saw that that was just trending, that line. And I wondered if he would want to come on and talk to me about that because he and I don't agree politically, but I feel like this cultural stuff is bringing people together everywhere, like mm -hmm. Muslim parents and Christian parents teaming up against this nonsense left-wing stuff. So there's a lot to be optimistic about. Um, and I think that we are not headed toward a civil war. We're headed toward a great sort. We're going to end up near people who think like we think. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's really natural. So that's kind of what my show is pushing for is kind of cultural cohesion and cultural accountability. And hopefully I'm able to encourage other ladies to do that too. Yeah, I've, I've been saying this for years now um, about the left and the right. I mean, it's getting more specific now, but about the left and the right, like you can just ask people, why do you distrust the government? You know what I mean? Um, and people from either side will have a laundry list of those right. things and be like, all right, cool. Now let's reduce those things down to the core principle of why you dislike it. You dislike it because they're taking your money. You like dislike it because they're telling you what to do. You dislike it because they're spending your money on things you find morally abhorrent. Right. Um, or they're not taking action on some things you, you think they should. It's like, the, the things that unite us with regard to our day-to-day -day lives are so much greater than the things that divide us on these issues. And they, uh, you know, and the media and the political class want to, they stay very low frequency, very low brow, like all the way downstream of the problem and be like, well, mm -hmm. you like this and they like this. So that's your enemies. Like, no, if you track that thing back upward, you're the fucking enemy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, that theory you're talking about, about anonymity, it's called the John Gabriel Greater Internet Fuckwad Theory. <laughs> it's from 2004. It was a big meme back in the day. But I it, love it. It's first like of all. normal person plus anonymity plus an audience equals total fuckwad. That's the yes. That's the uh, the the formula for that. That's um, amazing. <clears throat> yeah, it's really funny. All right, we got to get out of here, but uh, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the show. Absolutely. Everybody can find me on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram in some iteration of Sour Patch Lids. So Instagram is real Sour Patch Lids. Twitter is Sour Patch Lids and YouTube is also Sour Patch Lids. You can also Google Trad Queen Story Hour and it should turn up the podcast version of the show. Sweet. Well, look, thanks for coming today. I really appreciate your insight. Um, and I'm glad that there are women out there doing the stuff that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. It was a great opportunity. Anytime. All right. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening. This has been Citizen.